Hello and welcome to the Nourish Practice podcast, a podcast focused on all things intuitive eating, intuitive movement and helping you heal your relationship to food while moving away from diet culture in hopefully a nice relaxed way. There'll be a mixture of solo episodes and guest interviews. Any topics you would like included just send me a DM on Instagram at Nourish Practice and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Now this week we are talking intuitive eating and eating disorders and a little bit of disordered eating. If this is a topic that maybe is a little too fresh for you or you don't want to hear certain things as they may be triggering, feel free to go through the back catalogue and find something that is appropriate for you this week or tune back in next week. If you are staying and listening to the rest of the episode, I'm delighted to have Shannon on. So if you didn't know Shannon, she is a nutritionist and therapist. She is the founder of Ease Nutrition Therapy, a disordered eating non-diet clinic. She supports all relationships with food so people can feel more comfortable with food, their emotions and their bodies. I've worked with Shannon through a few different avenues and it was lovely to catch up and chat to her. So do check out all the links below and I hope you enjoy the episode. Perfect. So I, as always, read out a little bio about the guests that we have on and we have Shannon on today. But if you want to add anything, do a sort of 30 second pitch, anything you want to introduce to anyone listening, uh, you're welcome to do so now. Thanks for having me on, Casey. I'm happy to be here. Um, I think I will add that, yeah, I mean, really, I'm a disordered eating specialist and I used to specialize a lot in binge eating. But what I've done in the last couple of years is more specialize in, I guess, general disordered eating. And I've become really interested in the more therapeutic stuff in the last couple of years, which is why I trained as a therapist as well. And I also am really loving working with um, hypothalamic amenorrhea, aka losing your period, often due to like restriction or disordered eating. So those are my main kind of areas right now, general disordered eating, and I love HA as well. Amazing. Yeah, it's interesting seeing everyone navigate a bit more into that therapy space. So as a sort of introduction yeah. and to ease us into it, if you were to define the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder, how would you sort of set that boundary or would you say they cross into each other quite naturally? How would you define it with clients or with anyone that asks? Yeah, so this is like quite a hot topic, I feel. I think it's like a really common, if you imagine like an Instagram infographic that's like disordered eating versus eating disorder. And honestly, I do... I really am not on the team that we need to separate them because actually I just I just don't think that we can ever know what's going on inside someone to know if it's disordered eating or an eating disorder. And you know, I've had people say to me, well, some people you can well, you know, you can tell because it's like the intensity and how much it impacts their life. But, you know, I see people who are diagnosed with an eating disorder and their life is less impacted by their relationship to food than people with just disordered eating. Um, so I actually think it's, I, I just don't think it needs to be like set out in that way. And diagnosis of an eating disorder is like, it, it, it's obviously done by someone super qualified, usually like a clinical psychologist. So they, they of course like know what they're doing, but there's complete bias in how we diagnose mm. eating disorders. Like 
people can go to the GP presenting, you know, completely every criteria for an eating disorder, but they'll never be diagnosed. Or some people just happen to never go to the GP and start on that journey of like being diagnosed. So I actually just don't see too much of a difference, which I think can frustrate a lot of other clinicians because they're like, (laughs) you're wrong. But I think I'm right because really it's a spectrum. Like it's a spectrum of your relationship to food and how you cope with food. Um, I've heard things about the, you know, intensity and how much it impacts your life. And obviously the, you know, the physical side of things too. Like if someone is um, really unwell from disordered eating, then I guess we could say they have an eating disorder. But even then, I think that's kind of, um, I think that's really fitting for how we see eating disorders, which is like, we view them as these, we view all of them as like, really scary things and sometimes they are but I think it's like this whole let's put it into a box if you're disordered eating or eating disorders actually um can also put down people's experience with their relationship to food um and make them feel like they're not um not as like serious enough and yeah so basically long story short i actually don't think there's a huge difference but if you want a kind of basic answer i think it's it's like the severity length of time it's been happening and how easy or difficult it is to heal and break out of it i think that would be the answer amazing you know like you said it's super interesting and that sort of scale of of wanting to be be diagnosed but actually it is such a person-to-person thing often when it comes to um intuitive eating it's mostly recommended for those in recovery rather than with an active eating disorder per se Mm -hmm. how would you say it's best to approach it after recovery is it suitable for those after recovery or in recovery how would you say with your experience yeah so i mean in let's say if someone has an eating disorder which is presenting as super dysregulated, maybe extremely poor health, right? So that might be, for example, if someone is restricting to a really high degree, maybe if someone is purging a lot, maybe if someone is completely out of control, feeling with food and binging, maybe multiple times a day. This is the kind of people that maybe an intuitive eating framework wouldn't like necessarily be the best idea. But then also, I also think that intuitive eating and the appeal of it when someone has an eating disorder and when they have this like, I really want to like do intuitive eating, I actually think that that's like part of recovery because it's almost like they have a hope and a framework of what to aim to. And even if it like, even if they try it, so trying it as in, you know, listening to their body, whatever that means, right? Like, because you can't really do that when you have an eating disorder or disordered eating to some extent. Um, but if they kind of have that like frame of reference of like, oh, like this is what a healthy relationship to food looks like. And even if they're not meant to try intuitive eating, I, I just really don't think it's like a bad thing. I think it's like um, a, a, like a step that they can take to I think it's like a step on their recovery basically um and for someone who's let's say in recovery or someone who 
is does have an eating disorder basically you you know you don't want to be relying on your hunger and fullness signals because there might need to be re-nourishment happening um aka like weight restoration and also like most people with disorder you need some level of re-nourishment which would be like eating more regularly eating more food eating more food groups and with intuitive eating if you just go into it with the mindset of listening to your body it's not going to give you those signals to like refuel and nourish yourself um but my view of intuitive eating i think it's like a little bit different than um well no i think it's a bit different from what we think of it in like very basic terms but for me like i see intuitive eating as um more structured than i think people think it is so i'm very much in the mindset of like if you are not hungry for four hours like you're probably hungry and need to eat so the way that i approach intuitive eating is like i actually think for some people in recovery it would be fine and the and the fact that they're not really going by their hunger and fullness but maybe they're building a bit of a structure with their routine with eating and they're kind of moving along the framework of like um ditching the diet mentality or ditching like the restrictive mentality and um kind of not not really paying too much attention to hunger and fullness but connecting with their their body and their their body cues when they start to get them back i think that was a really long way winded way of putting it did i answer the question <laughs> yes no that's super helpful i know that there's so much nuance when it comes to intuitive no. eating recovery because it's such a personalized thing i think often when we see stuff online it's like oh yeah intuitive eating listen to your hunger super easy but it is that case of the framework will look different for everyone and it has to be applied to your situation especially if you have a past with disordered eating or an eating disorder itself yeah and the thing is is intuitive eating is meant to be for people with disordered eating like that's why it was made it's based on like psychological evidence for people with disordered eating so it kind of it kind of makes me confused when maybe clinicians are like, oh yeah, intuitive eating isn't for eating disorders. And then it kind of makes me take a step back and I think, well, are we on the path now of the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder? Because there's like nuance there. Some people with an eating disorder can still connect to their body and they can tell when they're hungry. Um, so yeah, I think there's like a lot of nuance here that's not really as simple as you can or can't. And also when you're recovering from disordered eating, like there's safety in something like intuitive eating because a lot of the time in recovery, especially if you have, um, especially if someone's like in a traditional treatment center or like inpatient unit or something, their autonomy is kind of taken away from them. Like the way that traditional eating disorder treatment is, is kind of pushing against someone's autonomy and someone's attunement and connection to themselves. So actually something like intuitive eating, I think is like a kind of little beacon of light, like, oh, like there is another way. And actually if that way is done in like the right way, whatever that means, I think it's actually a really good step, even if it maybe 
doesn't work out in the long term because it's like maybe too unstructured or they can't kind of tune into their body cues does that make sense yeah no that makes complete sense um i was gonna say that yeah. sort of leads one nicely so if you encounter someone someone came to you in clinic and they were struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating what would be some of the initial steps that you would take or you would recommend to them um to start mm, that process yeah. off? yeah it's always 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 regular eating we can't like you just can't stop engaging in disordered eating behaviors whatever they are um behaviors or thoughts you can't you can't stop engaging with them until your brain begins to be nourished more um so it's always always regular eating and that doesn't mean going from you know what whatever they're eating now to three meals and three snacks a day that might be from from going to like three very small meals to add in a small snack it might be going from uh, two meals a day and like a kind of, you know, banana for breakfast to having toast and an egg for breakfast. So my first step is always, always regularity. And then once we have regularity, I'll move on to adequacy, which is like making sure they have all the food groups, making sure that they um, have carbs, protein, fat in all their meals, making sure that they're not eating like a little picky, picky bird. Um, I think Laura Thomas came up with that saying, like the picky, like a baby bird and how they kind of like, um, I don't know, they kind of like, I, I have this, I had this, I had this client who she was really struggling with her relationship to food, duh. And she was the epitome of baby bird eating where her breakfast would take so long to prepare because she's kind of fluttering around her kitchen and kind of taking little tiny bits of thousands of different nuts and seeds etc but actually at the end of the day she was eating like it was taking so long to prepare and it just like was not adequate at all so yeah try not to eat like a baby bird basically and just eat food um and then obviously within that's like the kind of nutrition stuff but then also at the same time working on um self-care how they kind of respond when they do engage in disordered behaviors um because i take a harm reduction approach which is very different from like a traditional approach so basically it means that i'm not anti-disordered behaviors but more like being a bit more curious about them and what they mean and why they've shown up and not kind of battling them, but more kind of inviting them in as like a sign that something's wrong. Um, so yeah, I guess the first steps would be regularity and adequacy in eating, which sounds really simple, but actually I can spend, you know, I spent years with some people working on this um, and then also working on self-compassion and working on the kind of, um, the kind of like foundational level self-care um i think those are like the key parts amazing yeah super um important and i know you experience such a range of, of people like that baby bird picking i know i've i've mm-hmm. chatted to a few people with that um i know you said sort of at the start mm-hmm. you used to specialize um a bit in binge eating so 
obviously mm-hmm. there is the whole spectrum of disordered eating, eating disorders. Would you say intuitive eating can be a suitable approach when it comes to binge eating? Does it have to be a bit more specific to deal with binge eating itself? Or can it be also used if you want to move away from binging? I think binging and intuitive eating go really well together. I think it might be, you know, I'm going to... I. When I started working in this space about four years ago, I'll be honest, one of the reasons I went to binge eating is because I actually thought it was one of the, let's say, easiest kind of disordered eating behaviors to work with because the way that I was like, the the training that I did on disordered eating, it kind of made it out like that was the case. And it was like, okay, like people who binge eat are restricting, so they just need to eat more and then basically they'll stop. But as like I found in my like clinical work over the last four years, I've really found that like that's not the case. And actually binge eating is, goes really well with intuitive eating because stopping binge eating, I think is one of the toughest disordered eating behaviors because you're kind of stopping something rather than adding in so with restriction you're adding in so you have like an add-on effect and then with binging you're taking something away so i think actually if you imagine it like a jigsaw right you like take the binging away and then add an intuitive item obviously it doesn't actually work like that they more kind of go beside each other but this is why i think actually intuitive item really works for it and the research also says that works like there's evidence in intuitive eating been a really good intervention for binge eating and binge eating disorder but i think the key is i think i think why intuitive eating works so well is because there needs to be some sort of structure because often like often when people are like i want to stop binge eating often their first thing that they do is look for some sort of really restrictive um, plan or I don't know some sort of you know they might search a binging coach or something online and what they'll find is like more restriction and so with something like intuitive eating it's perfect for binge eating because it gives you that plan and structure without it being restrictive and without it being diety and I think that yeah I just think that's why it's so effective but it needs to be like it can't be the only thing that you're like working on like if you have someone with binge eating who's like i want to be an intuitive eater you need to take a step back and it first needs to be about regularity and adequacy first and then i really think the intuitive eating is more the the next part like the variety and the kind of spontaneity with food um like i use the framework raves quite a lot which is r-a-v-e-s and the R and E are regularity and adequacy. V is variety. And that's where something like making peace with binge foods could come in. Um, and like the kind of satisfaction part of intuitive eating, which is a big part of recovering from binge eating. And then after that, you can move into intuitive eating, um, which is more listen and tuning into your body. But there's a lot of nuance here because people with binge eating um, behaviors um, like it's I, I often find it's more like therapeutic than actually we might think um because yeah. there's a lot of like um yeah there's a lot of like 
the need to binge eat, I think, is really rooted in, I don't know, the, the kind of being of someone rather than like what they're eating and thinking about food. So in my experience, and this is very general, in my experience, I know that intuitive eating works on someone with binge eating behaviors because I've seen it happen and I know the research, etc. But I think that the person has to be ready for it and the person has to have patience as well because it actually takes, in my experience, a lot longer to have a good relationship to food after binging than it does with other behaviours, which I don't know if you've found too in your clinic work, but yeah, there's something in here about binge eating being a good option um, for intuitive eating, but I don't know, it takes a long time and it can become really tricky with a lot of the other things that people with binge eating often experience, like, um, like let's say, like ADHD um, or kind of hyper, hyper kind of arousal and hyper awareness of food and loads of other things, but I'm getting to therapy. Um, <laughs> that answer your question? <sighs> yeah, no, I was going to say on, on the therapy note, it's really interesting. I was having a chat to someone yesterday um, who has slight binging tendencies and uh, she even said to me oh I recognize in myself like my upbringing and the emotional factors and things like that so I feel mm -hmm. like especially with intuitive eating and disordered eating there is a natural tendency to reach towards that more therapeutic style and I know you yourself have trained in in therapy so you've got that baseline to really bring that in as well yeah and I think ultimately what I want your listeners to know is Disordered eating is ultimately disconnection. And so really the traditional approaches like um, following a meal plan, white knuckling it, not feeling, just eating, all of these things ultimately move you further into disconnection. And something like intuitive eating is so good because the basis of it is connection to yourself, AKA attunement. And I think that's actually why it's ultimately a really good option, but it has to be done in a way that's like, you get it because if you just approach it as, okay, eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm full. Um, I don't know, something with don't exercise when I don't want to add in brown rice. Like when it becomes more like Instagrammy and like the kind of highlights of it, I think that's where a lot of the problems um people will find with it like people will come to me and say you know I tried intuitive eating but it didn't work um but then you know I asked them to tell me what intuitive eating is and they're like uh it's eat when you're hungry stop when you're full and they don't even know like it's a framework or a book right which isn't like to slam yeah. them but yeah I think it's just important to actually know what it is and get it um, which is why it's so good to work with someone one-to-one -one who knows it, but obviously that's like not accessible to everyone. So, yeah. Yeah, I always joke that I'm like an anti-marketer in that rather than going, this is super easy. I'm like, this is really <laughs> difficult. I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's not as easy as it looks, I swear. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? It's like, oh, this is going to be a tough slog, but then all of these um, people who don't know what they're doing <laughs> and are causing harm or like oh my god it's so easy like I can teach you how so easily I know the, I know the secrets <laughs> yes 
an interesting field. Um, with that, I'll bring it into the sort of quick five finish. I always like to add the caveat that feel free to go on as long as you want. Um, the first one is what's your favourite food, and people go like memory lane. So feel free to chat through as much or as little detail as you would like. Okay, I'll tell you my favourite food from. This is my favourite food, like from all of my life. So, in Glasgow, which isn't where I'm from, I'm from Edinburgh area. But anyway, in Glasgow they made up this thing called a fried what do we call it um we call it like a pizza supper so it's like you know fish and chips it's like pizza and chips but the pizza is deep fried (laughs) and so it's a deep fried pizza i don't know if you've ever seen them before in like chip shops no i will now google (laughs) okay um yeah please do so it's a pizza deep fried super crispy the most like my favorite food of all time I would eat it all the time when I was young. Where I live now, I'm in Aberdeen now, and it's really hard to get hold of because it's more like a, um, I don't know, Glasgow, kind of central belty area thing. And it's my favorite food. So we call it a pizza crunch or we call it a pizza supper. If you ever see one on a menu, definitely try it because it's truly, truly the most delicious thing. It's like super salty, super crunchy. It's pizza and it's fried it's the best thing um so that's my favorite food but then more different favorite foods I love sushi I love salmon I love anything that's like um oily so like you know um nice bread with oil I love like an oily ramen right that's got like oil in it I love pizza I basically love like I, I, I love like quite a few things like pizza, fish, <laughs> rice. Those are like my main faves. Nice. It's int- I always say I ask obviously a range of people and every single person's answer is different, which is really cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on, what is your favourite form of movement? Mine's is definitely tennis. I've played tennis all of my life. I played it at school. I played it as an adult. Um, I love it. It's my favorite type of movement also to watch. Um, I watch tennis every single week on the TV. Well, not now because it's on, we're in the off season now for the month, but um, that's my favorite form of movement and I love it. And I listen to tennis podcasts every single day. I'm in on the gossip on tennis Twitter. It's my fave. Tennis, tennis, tennis is always my fave. It's amazing. Like we have free tennis courts near us, and it's it's in the summer. It's great just seeing everyone just being like, ah, oh, let's let's play a quick game while it's warm. It's the best. Uh, next one. What does the word nourished mean to you? Nourished means to me, honestly, just having energy. Having energy. I have what we call in like embodied therapy stuff, unbounded energy, (laughs) which is this this energy that's like uh, bouncy. And it means that basically like for most of my life up until I was, let's see, like 22, it, it, I didn't have it and I didn't feel connected to myself and I wasn't myself because I didn't have the energy in my body or in my brain to 
like be myself basically so to me nourished means feeling unbounded and connected and like I can hold conversations like I can make new friends like I can play tennis um yeah it's it's basically it's a feeling more than anything a feeling of like I can move I can talk I can make connections and I cannot feel um I cannot feel like closed off because my energy is unbounded so I'm open and so when I'm not nourished I feel very closed off and really isolated from myself and also others so I think I think that's what it means to me amazing again another one everyone defines differently which I find super cool uh last one what is one piece of advice if someone wanted to improve their relationship with food today what would you give them I think I think it would be I think it would be to define what that means to them because I know what it means now that I'm in it but 10 years ago if someone said have a good relationship to food I wouldn't know what that meant I'd be like uh like I don't know what that means maybe because like I just wasn't in this like space I wasn't in this world but if someone said that to me then I'd be like I don't know what that means um so I think it would be defining what that means for you so it might mean like I said it might mean having energy being able to like work have conversations with people being able to have fun um so i think it would be defining what that means by you could do that by um really like thinking about what your values are so if you value fun or joy or family it might be like okay how can i improve my relationship to food in the the like drive to have better um, connection to my values. So I think that's how I, I think that's what I'd say. Amazing. Um, That's pretty much all for me. I will put obviously links for your Instagram and everything um, in the sort of notes, but if there's anything you want to share where people can find you, or I know everyone's making like eBooks and things now, anything you want to promote, feel free to do so now. Yeah. I think people could just go to my website, which is, easenutritiontherapy.com I am making ebooks and I have guides and things on the website but um, I think where I will lead people is my website and then also my podcast which you can also listen to on the website I think my podcast is like a really nice you know source of everything I'm about and it's like a really cool project and Casey's been on two episodes as well so I think it's a really good option yeah I love listening to everyone explain how people say things and get it across um Mm -hmm. it's always lovely and and chatting away to everyone so yes Mm -hmm. perfect that's all from me thank you so much for taking some time out for to chat with me and uh discuss everything yeah thanks for having me on thanks everyone for listening